welcome back to the Kowski cast. I'm Mary Kwiatkowski. And I'm Hannah Elam. And we are getting spooky in September and continuing our coverage of the Netflix original series, The Haunting of Hill House. We're taking a look back at season one to recap the episodes and talk about all our favorite ghostly moments. Today, we are diving into the sixth episode of the series, Two Storms. Now, this episode, I commented on this at the end of our last one, didn't really have any clue what was going to be happening in the episode with a title like that. The other ones have been a little bit more obvious, but I think that coming after the Bent Neck Lady, Two Storms was nowhere near as scary or just even as creepy. Like, this episode's felt to me like if you had to get rid of one of the episodes so far, this one seemed the least creepy crucial to the plot. Like, I found it very interesting, and it might be my favorite episode so far, but it feels kind of standalone. They were like, oh, you know, be fun. Let's try to do a standalone episode that's filmed in a different way than all the other ones are. That's an interesting thought on this. I feel like it kind of ties the two sides together, because this is the first time that we're seeing the adult gang all together. Everyone from the family is finally back, so we need a little bit of a tension breaker to see what happens and how they're all interacting when they get back together. But then the past time sequence that we see that it kind of lines up, right? Because there's two storms happening. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) That kind of lines up what we then see in the wrap up of the series, right? We get a lot more strange happenings, I would say. There's a lot that's really weird going on around the house. And then it also kind of sets up the next couple episodes because we're going to see the family trying to repair damages that occur occurred during the storm. It is a good transition episode and it is very important, I think, structurally that we get this scene of all the family members, well, all the family members minus the mom and Nell, I guess, all together again for the first time in years. And if they had just jumped into the funeral, there would be a bunch of other people around and we wouldn't get the same, the same conversations or there's some reconciliation, there's some new conflict that spins up in this episode. So it is important that we can just concentrate on this small group of people for this episode, at least. Yes, like you said, the past and present in this episode are tied together by the concept of two storms. There was a storm in Hill House a a couple days, it looks like, before the last day, at least. It might be be a few weeks, but some shorter period of time. I presume we're getting sort of toward the end of their time there. And mostly I'm basing this on the more rapid decline of the house and the creepiness with Olivia, the mom character, who seems to be accelerating more and more kind of off the deep end in this episode or or doing some very strange things that we'll talk about. But there are these two storms that are happening between that and then in the present day, which is the day before Nell's funeral. And they're all at Shirley's funeral home. So why don't you go ahead and give a recap of the past storyline? Yeah. So there's a storm at Hill House, and it's pretty damaging to the property. At first, we see a chandelier breaks, there's some windows crashing, and they lose power. Nell sees the bent neck lady during this storm, and mom tries to comfort her by saying that she's seeing people in the house there too, but the people won't hurt them. And then Nell mysteriously goes missing, but when she's found, she's standing in the middle of the entryway, and she says she was standing there screaming the whole time, and no one could see her. Yes. So I 
want to just go through a couple things that happen in this scene. In this whole sequence of events, there's a lot of sort of strange happenings. I know we normally talk about this at the end and we can recap it at the end, but I kind of want to go through and order some of the strange things that happen in particular. You mentioned the chandelier falling, which may be a strange, maybe not. I mean, it's a big storm. It starts hailing, but I've experienced hail and I've never had a chandelier fall in my life at least. Then the mom comes in and she says that she was sleepwalking. She seems kind of confused about where she is, how she got there. Mr. Crane says he doesn't know where she went and she's like, yeah, I don't know where I went either. Maybe I was sleepwalking. Then it starts hailing and Theo says, oh, that's why my room is freezing, which I just wanted to note because we've had Theo mention in the past a couple times that she's always cold and she finds the house cold. So I just like to keep track of when that happens. Then Shirley's window explodes and the power goes out. Nell sort of backs up into the statue room where she sees the bent neck lady. That's when, like you said, the mom says that she also sees people in the house. Then Nellie disappears. The batteries go out in their flashlights and then we get a very strange sequence of events where we follow for the first time really in the series a long couple minutes of Olivia, the mom, who is walking around looking in different rooms. It's hard to tell whether or not she sees this, but we see an old lady on the bed behind her, which I believe is in the room that Theo earlier said was a sick bed. So I'm not 100% sure on that, but it looked like the bed was on the same side of the wall. So potentially that one. Then we see a door rattling and a boy, a, a sort of ghosty form of a boy in a wheelchair comes out right in front of Olivia. She sees that, just kind of lets it happen. Then she disappears. And we are now from the perspective of Hugh, who sees her reappear sort of down the hallway. He kind of is chasing after her slowly and continuing to call to her. She's not answering. She keeps going around corners and he sees her at the end of the hallways. He gets to the end of the hall where there's nothing and she's gone. Then all of these glass windows shatter in in sequence, like one at a time in a row. And then he sees Olivia standing by another window, which explodes. And then he looks back. She's gone and the window is intact again. Then they look down at the end of the hall where she originally was and she's sitting on the ground saying that she was having the strangest dream. Kids start screaming. They say they saw a big dog or wolf with red glowing eyes and their flashlights all went out and they heard something breathing near them. And that's when young Nell reappears who is panicking and said that she was there the whole time screaming and shouting but nobody saw her or heard her. The whole thing is very strange. And I just want to say adult Steve is going to continue to insist that he never saw anything weird in the house but there's a lot of weird stuff happening right here that he witnessed. And I think that again part of this is him just trying to logic everything right there has to be a reason as to what they saw or felt and everyone else was just imagining things the only reason that this was happening is because there was a storm going on or he just likes to ignore some of the things that happen while i know it might not be the most interesting of the points the the one about the the big dog or wolf with the glowing eyes i thought was one of the most interesting points that got brought up because it's almost immediately ignored after hugh initially goes to look in the kitchen where the kids say they saw the dog go but then he comes back when when nelly shows up again the part that interested me the most was that all of the kids say a different thing one of them and i didn't track exactly who says what but one of them says our lights went out and we heard something breathing then another one says something really big was near us i think it was a dog and then steve says it had glowing red eyes and another kid says i didn't see the red glowing eyes but it was definitely something big like a dog or a wolf so i just think it's interesting that they all were right there but they all have slightly different stories about exactly what they saw i don't know what that means i mean we've seen these kids to have different levels of perception or dealings with some of the 
spooky stuff in the house. Nell and Luke, for example, have seen way more than anyone else has, but I thought that was kind of interesting that that was brought up. Yeah, it's definitely, we're definitely left wanting to know more because, as you said, it's just completely ignored once Nell is found. We just never even talk about it. And well, and part of that is because it's the end of the episode. Well, there's a lot of weird stuff the shattering glass, the ghosts, the bent neck lady. The two biggest parts that seem the most abnormal so far is Nell disappearing, and she disappears when Theo is holding her hand, and Theo says, I felt like she was holding my hand the whole time. I didn't realize when she was gone. So she completely disappears, but claims that she was still there. And then what we see of Mrs. Crane literally like teleporting around the house. Those two things are the most bizarre that we've seen so far. Just like no answers. It's not just haunted house. There is something really weird going on here. But of course, both of those things have to do with the mom and Nell, which are the two people that we've seen up into the show, both who are dead and also who seem to be affected the most by Hill House for whatever reason. It's one of those things where we hope that we'll get some more answers and have some more into this eventually, but who's, who can tell? Oh, I really hope we do. And that's what happened in the past section of the two storms. Can you give us a recap of what happened in the present? Yeah, so everyone's coming in for Nell's upcoming funeral and is handling that event and seeing her dead differently. We see Shirley and Kevin making final preparations for the funeral. We see Theo hanging around drinking. And when Luke and Steve arrive, Luke goes to see the body, but it's too much. Once they finally do see the body, Steve has a weird moment where he says, that's her detective positive, positive ID. And I just thought that was pretty strange way. And then dad is having trouble with words, but he also seems to be talking to himself. Yes. The family's all gathered together. We hear that it is the first time they've all been together in some long amount of time. My guess is possibly since Nellie's wedding, at least all of them. Well, not even all of them because Luke wasn't actually at the full wedding. So we may be led to believe that the last time was at the mom's funeral. Right. It might have been even longer that they were all together. I mean, we know that before Nellie's wedding, when there was the New Year's Eve party that she was at where Arthur proposed to her, there were several people there. I know that Theo was there and... I believe Steve. Theo was there. You said you did think Steve? Yeah. Theo, Steve, Shirley, and Kevin were all there. I'm not sure if Luke was there. I don't believe that he was. I don't remember seeing him in that scene. But there were a lot of the the kids there, at least at that point. One thing I wanted to point out about this episode that I noticed right away, and I was tracking it for a while, was that the majority of the episode was filmed differently than the other ones. We've seen these really sharp transitions in all the other episodes between the past and the present. This one, both the past scenes, present scenes, and combination of going from one to the other, for the most part, were all filmed to look like it was one long continuous shot. And I'm really curious in the making of of exactly how many cuts they did. I can tell you right now that through the beginning of the episode, it was a full 23 minutes before they actually did an obvious cut that happened. At one point, you see in the present day, the father walking down a hallway that suddenly turns into Hill House and he is young again. But they even filmed that to make it look like a seamless shot. And one of the first obvious cuts is when they go back to the funeral from first seeing the past storm. So it's a lot of continuous sort of tracking shots, which is a really good suspense building mechanism because they would do a lot of following a person from behind, moving the camera around them where you get to see behind them and there's maybe something creepy behind them or it makes you feel like much as if you were there, you're not getting the full picture and you are turning your back on the ghosts as well as they are. So I really liked it for this episode. I thought it was very, it was smooth. It added an element of 
of sort of a hectic quality, especially to the present day scenes, because there's a lot of conversation happening, there's people talking, and then the camera will move from one person to another and continue the story. So that's really great. Just to go through a couple of the strange happenings that I saw in the present day time, Steve, shortly after he says his little weird line about positive ID detective, which I think was just something sort of stupid that he said, possibly maybe something that he writes about in some of his books, like a line that he took from that because he sort of walks away from it and starts talking with Shirley and he's like, I, I don't know what that where that came from. I don't know why I said that. He sees someone and I couldn't tell if it was Nellie or his mom, but there was some ghost type figure standing near the casket and then he turns his back twice and it gets closer. The only reason I question of who it was because it did look more like Nellie, but it was not the bent neck lady. If it was Nellie, it was just sort of a norm, more similar ghost to the one that he saw originally in his apartment, potentially. Yeah, I believe it was Nellie, and it looked like she was in the nightgown that she had on when she was dancing through Hill House to me. Okay. One thing that I thought was interesting with the continuous shots, too, is that it also led me to really want to pay attention to the background, because in the ending of the last episode, we saw in the dance sequence, there were those ghosts standing around, and so this time, I was really trying to look around whenever we, we were getting those panning shots and trying to see, is there something that we're supposed to be seeing in the background yes. that may not be readily noticeable if you're not looking for it? And one of those that I caught right away was, maybe I'm just now analyzing this show too much so I can start sort of predicting <laughs> these things when it happens, but there's a scene in the past where the power first goes out and Hugh, Olivia, Steve, Luke, and Shirley are all sitting around on the floor where the chandelier had fallen. They move it out of the way first. They're all sitting around on the floor surrounding a box of flashlights and batteries and they're putting flashlights and batteries and I thought it was strange that you have Theo and Nell standing maybe five or six feet away looking at them and the camera is focusing on the group of five sitting down and it's panning around them in a circle and it pans around them about three times and the first two times you see Nellie and Theo but you're really only seeing like knee down of them because they're sort of cropped out. You see them holding hands and for the first two times and I could tell I'm like something's gonna happen with them in the background and then by the third time they circle Nell is gone and so it's like that kind of thing I was expecting from some of this continuous movement and one shot feel. So back in the present I did notice also that the father was talking to himself. I assumed he was talking to this sort of ghost version of the mom that we saw earlier during Nellie's wedding. Something like that was kind of what I was predicting. A non-creepy ghost but a more like what you would I guess normally think of kind of as a ghost. Like she, none of the ghosts in this show are, are the translucent sort of white things that you would kind of picture. They're either more zombie-ish or they're like, they just look like themselves if they were alive. Yeah, we're not really getting any Casper vibes from The Haunting of Hell Yeah, House. no Casper vibes. It's been mostly like Dead Nell and then Bent Neck Lady who we've seen. The only time that I think we've seen another person on the cast being a ghost is at Nell's wedding when, when mom, is at Nell's wedding when we see mom over the dad's shoulder. Right, but I would say that's different because it, she seemed like a, a more normal version of herself. It wasn't the creepy sort of partially dead oh, cracked, sure. cracked skull, or not cracked skull, cracked skin looking version that Nell was. I'm just saying there's there's different types of ghosts here because we've also seen the more violent zombie-like ghost when we saw Luke go down at the dumbwaiter and then there was that creature crawling towards him. So I would put that in like a different category. I've sort of broken it down into three categories. You've got the very like active kind of ghost, like the zombie crawling after Luke. And then you have the obviously dead type 
that doesn't maybe speak or whatever, and that would be like the ghost that Steve sees at the end of the first episode of Nell. I would put the bent neck lady possibly even in that category. But in both of those, we do see them interact as far as they scream or yeah, make some type of they scream or they interact, but they're not like chasing after you. They're sort of more, I, I don't know, maybe there's even, now I'm thinking about it, I think there's four categories. So maybe there's that category with the, the Nell slash bent neck lady ghost. Then there's e- another one, which is the like, uh, the, the bowler hat man who is yeah. there. And that's another time where we see the mom, right? When Luke turns around and the mom talks to him at the end. I just thought of that. Right. And so I would put her, those two, like the mom, when Luke's talking to her and her eyes light up like headlights in a category. And I would include in that the people that we see when Nell and Arthur are dancing in her vision, when we see the like bowler hat man and the flapper dress woman in the background there. So I put them in that category. And then the fourth category, which I think is like the least creepy, is like version of mom we see at Nell's wedding where it just seems more like a and I would also put the, the cheersing guy that we see again in this sure. episode in that category it's like they seem like uh, I keep thinking like modern day is what I'm saying but they seem alive more or less they're like full color they don't appear to be chasing or anything if anything they seem to be interacting like they're actually just normal people there but we know that they're not so I that's like the four categories I've got there so you got like zombie or you got like creepy active zombie zombie who interacts a little bit but doesn't is not like actively chasing after you like the bent neck lady and then you've got someone who is dead and looks like a ghost and then you've got someone who is dead or maybe not there not everybody could see them but is acting like a human normal alive person so those are my four categories yeah i almost want to call the last one a fixed version ghost just nodding back to shirley's comment when she goes and sees her mom for the first time and she tells the funeral director that you fixed her so it just makes me think of that right they don't look dead or disgusting. Or I would almost even say like that's more like a vision or a hallucination because I mean I presume we haven't really seen it yet but I'm presuming that Hugh the father is talking to a version of a mother that he sees. He's doing it constantly through this episode. He does not seem afraid by whoever he's talking to so I assume that this is a pretty permanent fixture in his life and it seems like yeah again I don't know if it's a hallucination or a vision. Yeah I don't know it's more like it's more of a harmless kind of version of a ghost that I would imagine. More like your typical sort of, like, a, it's not a Casper ghost, but it's it's more close to that, I would think. Anyway, so we got that. We see the bent neck lady in the background in one of the scenes where the father sees her, and then <laughs> we discussed this before the podcast, and we have a disagreement about it. There is a scene where Theo, who is intoxicated, falls, question mark, off a couch. She goes to sit down on the edge of the couch and then she falls and slams into the wall. Now, this is one of two things in my opinion. You seem to think she falls. She's either getting pushed by something, some kind of ghost feeling in the house, whatever it is, or she's just, the actor does not do a good job in this scene of looking like she actually falls because she sits down on the arm and then just sort of like slams her body into the wall. Like it just does not look natural at all. And I'm backing up my idea that this is something pushing her by the fact that we get a similar 
push when the casket is going to fall over in a in a few scenes. Yeah, I don't know. To me, it just looks like she goes to sit down on the edge of a couch and then we're supposed to believe that she's drunk. So she's not stable enough to stay on the couch and falls off. Maybe. It, it is a sudden movement, right? She kind of like plops down, but then like bounces back up and, and falls over. So that's where I think that it just is happenstance and she's not actually slurring her words. So this is their way of saying, yeah, Theo's intoxicated and this is why you're supposed to believe that. Okay. Well, I would say that this is a critique then of the actor's ability to make me think that she fell because it didn't look like a fall. Then we have some buttons that are on Nellie's eyes, which we know that their mom called her button and also gave her a bunch of buttons that she found in Hill House. And also that adult Nellie was still collecting the buttons. Luke had mentioned that when he was going to rehab, that he would look for some more buttons for her. So this is some kind of weird thing with Nell. I don't know. No, no real answer about this. This is again where I'm going to get mad at Steve, someone who keeps insisting that there are no ghosts and haunting isn't real, but he himself has seen ghosts. He's just so in denial. And they're all like, yeah, none of us put the buttons on her, but then they just kind of forget about it. The power is going to go off only in their house. Every other house on the street is fine and it's not even that big of a storm. Yeah, the buttons moment was something where I was trying to look and see, did I miss something when we're doing the pan around? Like, is there something there that actually does put them on there? But I think it's more of what you were saying where we're only seeing part of it and there's probably sometimes where we are missing things because our back happens to be to the ghost or whatever's going on. So we don't actually fully know everything in this story and sometimes that's just what we're left with. (laughs) Yep. And then of course we see the bent neck lady again. This is a time where the dad looks at the bent neck lady and he could tell that it's Nell. Sometimes we get the bent neck lady is kind of shrouded and sometimes it's full in the light. And then we've got Shirley seeing the cheersing guy again from early, I don't know, episode two, I think was when we first saw him. Yes. The episode that kind of focused on Shirley a little bit is the first time that we see him. And when we see the bent neck lady in the full light, I really did like it because it's overlapped with young Nell saying, I was right here the whole time. None Mm -hmm. of you could see me. Nobody could see me. And so we pan back and we see both Nell's casket and the bent neck lady standing there. I thought it was a little poetic and we're probably led to believe that she's the one who put the buttons there, who pushed the casket. Yeah, who made the casket fall and pushed Theo. Maybe push Theo. I think it's questionable. (laughs) The other similarity I have with that moment of Theo falling and the casket falling is both of those two actions are done to disrupt the family from arguing. They're arguing and then that sudden movement sort of stops the arguing for a second. I'm just, just, you know, look, I think maybe it's not something that we're ever going to find out or be answered, but I'm just putting it out there as something that I'm noticing. Okay. Yeah. The more you've talked about it, the more you're starting to convince me, but I think I'm going to (laughs) have to hold, hold fast to the fact that there's no way there was a ghost who pushed her but maybe there's a possibility okay. you're putting you're putting a seed of doubt for sure thanks but i th- i think what you bring up is a good point because these all are seemingly actions that nell is orchestrating to make the family pay attention to her i think from what we know about nell in the previous episode is that she i don't know she just see she's one of the youngest she just wants the family to mesh well together and she wants luke to be involved and her siblings to 
accept her. And so I think it makes sense. She just wants her family to stop arguing and to focus on being together. Yeah, for sure. I mean, with my five senses theory, she's hearing. She wants to be heard. She wants to be listened to. <laughs> a couple other things I want to note about this episode. We have a couple arguments in it. Luke and the father are kind of backing up Nell's stories and her visions of ghosts and her struggles more so than maybe some of the others are. Steve in particular keeps getting upset whenever the topics of maybe something that's that he, he can't justify and logic out are brought up. Mr. Crane is even going to say that both the mom and Nell were killed by the house, but that Steve wouldn't understand it and has never understood it. We're also going to have Shirley say that she wishes that Nell had just come to her with her struggles and that opened up to her. Now, my hunch is Nell had tried to come to her and that Shirley just doesn't believe her, doesn't want to. You know, certain members of the family seem definitely to kind of be putting a lot of this on her psychiatrist and the fact that she was not taking her medication, wasn't acting like herself. Just seems a lot like they don't want to put any blame on themselves for not listening to her over the years. And Luke, who's probably the one who is most apt to listen to her, wasn't really in a, in the condition to be able to. Yes, yeah, so there are a lot of arguments. And I think something that was interesting is that dad points out that Luke, Nell, and mom could all see Hell House's face for what it truly was. And then at some point, Steve has a comeback saying that the dad is the ghost. And I don't really know what the point of calling him a ghost is. He just says, except that you get older. And so maybe he's he's that last ghost where he's just, a, he's been a vision this whole time, except for he's actually aging. I think part of that was Steve just being upset with his father and never really fully coming to terms with his mom's death because he was the oldest and, you know, can remember his mom the best. He's also going to say that the wrong parent died, implying that Hugh should have died instead of Olivia, which is sad on a number of reasons. And then you have Shirley, who is taking more of the, I'm so upset at both my mother and Nell for taking their own lives because they should have known how much that's going to affect the, the rest of their family. And then Theo, who's kind of coping with the pain by drinking away her sorrows. And Luke, who seems the most upset with himself for not being there and not being able to help her and, and talk to her during this time, her last few days. Luke seems to be the most level-headed out of everybody, which is the opposite of what you would expect. Right, but Luke is probably also one of the few people... It's frustrating watching this because Luke and the father, who both have the probably the most experience with the ghosts and with maybe what Nell was going through, have a really hard time vocalizing this to the other people. A lot of times because Steve or Shirley just kind of shouts over them and, and interrupts them and doesn't really let them get a full sentence out. Like Steve says, okay, tell us then, you know, about Hill House and what happened to mom. Mr. Crane kind of tries to start to, but then Steve just like, doesn't want to hear it, doesn't listen. Sure, but even when Luke and dad are talking, they're having a conversation, but they're not actually saying the words outright that they think that both Nell was the bent neck lady and that she didn't kill herself. They're kind of going through because they're on the same wavelength and they're not actually having to say everything outright. So for the other family members who don't fully buy on to everything, it's harder for them to buy into this idea that they don't even really have insight into. Right. Yeah, so... 
it's a nice episode to get a lot of the character interactions between them. I think one of the hardest parts of the past and present intermixing in the show in general, but also in this episode, is just seeing how close they seem to be as a family when they were younger versus how just distant and really even the the most quote-unquote stable among them are really not at, at this point in time. And then, of course, that leads into another fight that happens, which is that Theo and then Kevin admit to having taken some of Steve's money, and Shirley is very overwhelmed by that. I'm going to give myself a little bit of a high five for predicting that the bank account situation was over Kevin deciding to take the money. Yay on that. I do kind of get Shirley's point of like, I'm upset mostly. Like, I think most of why she's upset, is it's kind of the principle of the thing, but some of it is like, and then you lied to me about this for years and also made me think that you were like struggling living next door to me, you know, living, living in my guest house and eating my food and I've been providing for you for years. So I kind of get that frustration. Sometimes it's not really what they were hiding, but just the fact that they were hiding it that's so hard to comprehend. For me, I I would be more upset about the fact that your own husband was buying into this and that that was being hidden from you. So I don't, I don't know. For me, that that's just, <laughs> that was what my focus was, is the fact. But if Kevin had accepted the money and told her like a week later, it probably wouldn't be anywhere near as bad. You're saying a week later after the funeral? No, a week, like a week after he first started accepting it. Oh, sure. But she may have made him stop. Right. But like the fact that they both lied to her is hard, but I think it's more so the fact that they were doing it for years and that she's just found out. And she's also, because part of it is this kind of embarrassment, humiliation that she mentions of like, I thought we've all been on the same page of standing up to Steve when really, no, it's just been me. And the things that I've been preaching for years have gone on unnoticed. And then this is going to be coupled with the fact that we get a weird scene of Shirley opening a closet door, finding Theo and Kevin, her husband, in close quarters. They're not, it's not like she catches them making out or anything. It looks more to me like a very drunk Theo is leaning close to Kevin and Kevin is sort of restraining her and pushing her back is what it looks like to me, but I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to tell from the little that we do get, so hopefully in the next couple episodes we will learn more. Knowing that this is a show makes me think that they're not actually also having an affair. I doubt that. If anything, I could believe that Theo was very upset and was trying to get back at Shirley and so leaned in for a kiss or something and he was pushing her away. I mean, either way, it looks really bad, but I don't think that based on the fact that when he found the checkbook and Theo said you should probably make up an affair or something because that would be (laughs) not as bad. Based on that, I'm going to assume that they have not been like secretly having an affair this whole time or something like that. Anyway, another thing that I wanted to point out is when we learn how Nell was discovered, all the siblings start to point out little things of how they interacted with Nell around the day that she died. It reminded me a little bit about the movie Clue, which is based on the board game where they're all trying to figure out why they were invited to the house and how they're all connected. And so I don't know if it was an actual nod to that, but that's what it reminded me of. Yeah, it's kind of a mystery trope of like, wait, let's all share our sides of the story and piece things together. And I know that you did this. Exactly. So that was that was a nice moment too. And of course, that was coupled with another nice sweeping camera pan that was enjoyable to me who looks at the movie making side of things. But anyway, that's really the episode. I liked it. It might be, I think I said, I said this earlier, it might be my favorite episode of the series so far, just because it was very seamless. It's a little bit cheesy that they tied it in with the whole two storms thing because the storm really wasn't that important in the present day, except for the fact that they needed some kind of excuse for the power to go out. Oh, I did also love that when the power went out and Hugh and Luke are both standing there 
they're talking to each other and they're like, uh, uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think she's going to be able to fix this. I don't think it's the it's the circuit box or whatever. And they're like, yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> so I liked that. And they're like, oh, who do you think put the buttons on it? And they're like, well, we know it was probably none of us. <laughs> so just the fact that they're kind of subtly on the same page about all of this, but are too soft spoken for maybe their own good. I really enjoyed adult Luke, but I'm, I'm still having trouble connecting him with six year old Luke. And I know that it's a huge age gap. I had an easier time with Nell for some reason, but it's like I, I need to see teenage Luke or something to like fill in the, the blanks of how did he get from adorable little boy to, to this. Yeah, and I think it I think it is hard. A lot of Luke's background is going to be jaded by the fact that he did begin to use drugs, but it would be interesting to see if there's something in the teenage spot or the time with Aunt Janet that really led him down that path of using drugs and, and how he was kind of introduced to that. But again, some things will be left unanswered. My guess is that much like Nell seeing the bent neck lady, he probably saw the man with the bowler hat all through growing up. And then when he got to a point where he was a teenager and had access to money and drugs and other substances, he just somehow got on a path to abusing them in order to to cope with those visions coupled by the fact that he grew up without a mother. That's my guess, but I don't know. So I'm not an expert on that. Yeah, I'm going to go with that for now. Anyway. All right, let's get into some of our segments. Right. So let's start with the Would You Rather. It is a little bit of a palate cleanser. Uh, This episode, we don't have too many very freaky things that go on. So would you rather lose power and not be able to use flashlights or have to host a Crane family get together? I mean, definitely the Crane family get together. Like it would be, it would be drama. But if I'm like a third party, if I'm Kevin or something, I'm like loosely attached. Yeah. I think I'd rather have other people's drama around me rather than have to be in. I don't like the dark. I don't like horror movies. I don't, I don't want, we lost power a lot growing up. We lived in an area where the slightest breeze would knock a tree down and then it would be days before our power would come back on. I am very familiar with the candle and flashlight usage. So I've done it. I guess, I guess I would be fine with doing that as long as I was not in the haunted house. If I was in Hill House, like I would definitely No, yeah, that's not, that's not. If I was in my own house, yeah, I've been there, done that. So I guess I could go either way on this one. If I had people around, if I was alone and my power went out, I think I would just go to my car or something or go to someone else's house. Yeah, that's fair. I, growing up, I lived in a neighborhood that had someone who worked for the power company in our neighborhood. Mm. And so it felt like we were always like one of the last to lose power and one of the first to get it back. So I guess I never really had, (laughs) I know, I guess I never really had to know the woes of being without power for too long. But I mean, I did grow up in Eastern Virginia and we had a couple of hurricanes that did knock power out. And I just felt that they were more of bonding time with family. And so that's where I would kind of choose more to the lose power. I mean, I had some nice times. I'm not going to say nice times when the power was out, but there were some highlights where, yeah, you'd get the first, if it was like a one day thing or something, the first couple hours were usually pretty good. It was like, oh, yay, let's instead, we can't watch TV, but let's all get together and read a story or do something by by candlelight, you know, hang out together. And usually it would involve, we would all maybe move like downstairs into the living room to sleep or something because losing power, it's not really the power part that's the worst. It's the losing either the air conditioning or the heat, which usually means, you know, move out of your upstairs bedrooms if it's in the summer and we lost air conditioning or if it's in the winter, all huddled together in one place. Losing water is the worst part of losing power though. And I stand by that. It's more so the worst part as an adult who likes to shower and be clean. But when we used to lose power, we would lose power, phone, and water every time. It was rough. Water, I think for me, was always separated from power. So I never had that issue as well. Again, you lived a cushy life. I lived in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. And so then for our superlatives, I think there are a couple of funny, lighthearted moments. But for me, I enjoyed the story about Puffalopes and learning about Nell's letters to Santa. I liked that too. It was lighthearted. We find that Nell not only wrote letters to Santa where she only asked for presents for her siblings, but she also continued to write handwritten letters every month to her father, it sounds like, which none of the other children did. I don't even, I doubt that they even called him once a month based on their interactions here. Nell's just a little sweetheart. I, I thought the the one added element that maybe I just felt like it was a little bit eerie was when we find out that Nell did not actually come up with Puffalopes, but that was something she got from her mother, which was puffy padded envelopes. envelopes. Yeah. Yes. I, I don't know why, just anything about the connection between Nell and her mother, I think just kind of creeps me out because I'm like, ah, there's something, something there is a reason why the two of them... I don't this think demise. so. I think you're thinking too far into this one. This one's just a cute little moment. Just I, let it okay. be that. <laughs> I, I can't. I'm watching a scary show. I can't just let it be anything. Let it be a cute connection and let Theo's fall be because of her drunkenness. All right. And so sure. into scariest. <laughs> I, well, I, I would say the other lighthearted moment I liked was when Kevin was just asking everyone like, oh, can I get you some food? Can I get you some drink? And Theo's like, yeah, Kevin turns into a waiter to deal with his grief or something. I thought that was kind of just like a little funny line. There was a lot of funny lines about them all calling each other drunk. And I don't know if any of them were actually, Theo was definitely drunk, but I don't know about the other ones. Yeah. Hashtag Theo was pushed. (laughs) Okay. And so for scariest, did you have any winners in your mind? None of these were too, too scary for me. It was definitely eerie when the mom was teleporting around the house. I will say probably the other scary, I'm, I'm kind of like used to the bent neck lady now, especially because they had some very lingering shots on Nell as the bent neck lady or Nell standing by her coffin that I'm kind of desensitized to it. So I, I say the, the old woman on the bed was the creepiest one to me that we saw in the background. Yes, I agree that the woman on the bed is the most frightening part of this episode. And I do think that with Nell, last episode, we learned that she's the bent neck lady. And so seeing her in this state, she is more of a loomer around in this episode rather than a straight on haunting. So we already went through some of these, but do you want to just recap which possible ghosts we've seen in this episode and maybe which ones were confirmed. Right. So we talked about the older woman on the bed when the mom is searching for Nell, the boy in the wheelchair, and then the guy cheersing down in the morgue that Shirley sees. And it seems like Shirley is the only one who is seeing this man. In this episode, the family also sees Nell as a ghost in several forms. And so to me, I believe that Steve saw Nell when she was at her casket and then Nell sees the bent neck lady and then the dad sees Nell as the bent neck lady in the present storm. Yes, there was a scene with Luke that where he could have potentially been seeing Nell as well. I, I couldn't really tell. He he looks at something, he's looking back at the casket and we don't see anything and then he turns away and then we see the bent neck lady there. And so I'm not 100% sure if that was confirmed that that's what he saw or, or what, but I'd put Luke in that potential list. Pretty much just leaves Theo and Shirley out and Kevin, who's never seen a ghost at all from what I can tell. Shirley has seen visions though. Right. You're right. Well, she did. See, you're right. Sorry. I was saying have not seen the bent neck lady. Oh, gotcha. Shirley has seen other types of ghost forms. The other thing about the boy in the wheelchair is if you remember, this is something that when Olivia got her deja vu back in episode like three or four, whenever it was, she was walking around the library mentioning a bunch of things like, oh, I envision people standing here and then 
there's some there's three children and one boy in the wheelchair. And so that was clearly some kind of at that moment, I was thinking maybe these were previous occupants of Hill House. And that seems to be getting closer to being confirmed based on the boy in the wheelchair that we saw in this episode. Yeah, that's a good call out. And we already discussed a lot of the strange happenings, Nellie disappearing in the past, when the flashlights stop working, the dad seeing the mom walking down the hallway, the kid seeing the dog-like creature. One of the, some that we didn't discuss from the past is the statue and about 41 minutes in when the mom is searching in the upstairs. There's a statue on the left. It was looking straight at 4108 and then she goes, I don't remember exactly the sequence, but then it starts to look to the right towards where the mom is at 4126 and then it switches back to looking straight at 4256. So if anyone wants to go back and look at those small frames, there's a statue in the hallway and it's the one on the left and it switches where it's looking and it's one of those where I was looking in the background extra hard this episode so I was able to catch that. So it goes from straight to right to straight. And we talked about the boy in the wheelchair but one thing that we see before we see the boy is that the doorknob is rattling on the room and this is something that we've seen a lot in Hill House and I think this is just an artifact of the boy trying to get out of the room. Yeah, so I wonder if the boy was in the hallway on the last night when we saw the, the door. Well, that wasn't really rattling as much as just sort of slowly turning. So still haven't confirmed what was on the other side of the door, Steve's door yet. Hopefully we find it. I'm hoping, I mean, I don't know. I'm hoping that we're going to get some answers about like the buttons and the casket getting knocked over. I, I'm not feeling particularly confident in that, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. So in the present, we see Nell's body having the buttons placed on her eyes, the dead body, Nell, and only Shirley's house is, is what loses power. Nell's casket falls down and that's all that we have from the present unless you count Theo getting pushed from the couch. I will count the dad talking to himself. Yeah, because that's, that's at least somewhat strange. So there's that. All right. So we got a lot of those. Okay. Moving along. Glad that we're more than halfway through at this point. I don't know about you. I'm ready to wrap up this series because I just want to know the conclusion. We've, we filled in a lot of gaps. We put some gems in our, or we put some, what do we say? Stones? Are we doing stones? Can't remember. We say gems or stones. They're interchangeable. We put some gems in our Olivia hourglass this time, the mom, I think. And we put some in... The dad, for sure. We haven't seen dad. a lot of him. Yeah. And uh, in the house in general. So put, put oh, some the house those. has its own hourglass. That's yeah, a good there's one. Eight, there's eight hourglasses. <laughs> yeah. We definitely need to know about the house more. Yeah. So, uh, you know, just, just kind of stacking those up and seeing where we're going to get. All right, everyone. Feel free to send us comments and questions on our website or on Twitter at KowskiCast. That's cow with a K. You can also check out all the other podcasts we have going on on KowskiCast on our website or on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. We've got Twilight, Riverdale, Revenge, probably more in the future. You can follow me online at Frail Mary, and you can follow Hannah at HannahV.exe on Instagram. Hannah with two N's and one H. And if you enjoyed the podcast, we would love it if you left a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It's the best way for people to find our show in the future. All right, everyone. That's all for this week's episode. Thank you for joining us, and we'll be back next time for our coverage of Episode 7, Eulogy. For now, we're the Kowski Cast. Thanks for listening. Bye!
all of the siblings start to share little tidbits of how they interacted with Neo. <laughs> how they interacted with Neo, you know, it's the Matrix. 